0: hello what's going on my name is Rich Ryan I'm here to bring you another installment of torque talks so a torque talk is an athlete spotlight put on the different members of the new team called the obstacle racing collaboration so if you're unfamiliar make sure you go back anything that says torque talk and, and follow these athletes it's a great way to get to know the athletes who are in the sport and to help support them just with your encouragement today we have Erin Ross, and Erin is a two-time runner-up at World's Toughest Mudder, and she's ready to take on that race once again. So we talk a lot about uh, about her preparation for the race. Uh, she also has an expansive background as an athlete. She's a D1 soccer player, a jump master, and a former bodybuilder. So we talk about all of those things. We also talk about how Erin is a full-time nurse working the night shift in labor and delivery, and how she hopes to blend her passion of women's health and fitness. A really cool idea. I, I, I hope to see this come to fruition. And we also talk about how Erin uses these challenges that she faces during her schedule of the night shift to build up that mental game and how she has to be intentional with her training and nutrition to get the best results possible. So Erin is absolutely awesome. She's a great athlete, a great person. Give her a follow. Give Torque a follow. Listen to this episode. You're going to really enjoy it. I promise. So here we go. Here is Erin Rost. How many places have you lived
1: um i've lived in for like longer than a year i lived in four different places and i kind of lived in new york i would say because travis was there and i was in boston with a weekend warrior there so i lived in sacramento that's where i'm from um i went to school in colorado springs colorado right um at the time i lived in training though like i am now so i didn't appreciate living i didn't appreciate living there like i would if i would go back and live there um and then I lived in Boston, near Boston for five years, and then a little bit New York during that time, and then now I live in South Carolina.
0: What's been the uh, What's been the best?
1: Um, my favorite place so far is I really like living up in Boston. I really like the Northeast. I love California. That's obviously
0: it's a California
1: place. It's all that's number one, no matter what. But um, I really like living up in Boston. There's just a lot to do there, a lot of good people there. Once you got to know them. At first, they're a little, like, kind of mean and uh, cold. Um, but once I got to know them, I really, like, made a home there. Where I had, like, a good fitness community and just had really good friends and um, just had a lot to do, uh, more so than here. So yeah. I that was probably my favorite place so far.
0: That is the thing with the Northeast. And what I understand the difference between – I can't speak to California as a whole, but, that, like, I know people who are in, like, the Northwest. And it, in the Northeast, like, you know where you stand with people. and But yeah. once you're in, you're in – and yes. in the Northwest, like, everybody's kind of nice, but not really being real. Like, you don't know if they're actually what they're actually thinking about you. But in Northeast, they'll tell you.
1: Yeah, that's actually what I say a lot. Because I live in the South now. And I live in like, kind of the outskirts, you know, where the smaller towns. And that's one thing I miss about the Northeast is you always know where you stand. Or if you're, <laughs> that's not the case. People are really nice, but they may not like you at all. And they're really nice. And you don't know um and you hear him talking to other people and you're like oh my gosh do they say that about me you're always kind of like in this weird position but in the northeast you always know where you stand and then like once you're in they have your back and then they'll still tell you when you mess up but here you'd never know so i always say like i would take um an authentic asshole than someone who's fake nice because i'd oh, rather really. I It's
0: <laughs> like a real like that's a real asshole like a or asshole You don't yeah. want to be around is someone who's going to pretend to be nice, but here it's like, yeah, you're just going to have to deal with people being not mean to
1: like, at least they own it.
0: Totally. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. And that's kind of how yeah. Philly is. Philly is like Boston, but like grittier and like a little bit meaner, I think too. Like people are just yes, really I nice.
1: think is meaner, meaner than Boston. Yeah.
0: People are not nice around here, <laughs> no. but Hey, whatever. <laughs> it's like, at least yeah. we know.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and when you were, you were in Colorado Springs, but you were at the air force Academy there. Yes. you were playing soccer. I was
1: at the time I was on a skydiving team. So I got to do Mm -hmm. cool stuff, but I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of, I kind of got into running, but not like I am now. Um, I I didn't do any of the cool hikes or anything like that. Cause I was like really involved with skydiving. So that's like what I did.
0: And also when you're that age, like you're, you're in and at school and like, I'm sure being at the Academy was probably, there's probably a lot of like structure and things. It's not like you could go outside of the box that much
1: no you kind of had to pick your thing and i picked mine and it just wasn't all the other cool stuff i could have done there
0: what um yeah. is a skydiving team when you say a team yeah is there a competition
1: yeah so my i was on the wings of blue which is like the air force parachuting team um and there was like the team broke off into two parts your junior year one was the demonstration team and one was the competition team i picked the demonstration team um we jumped into like a lot of different types of demos like different like football games and baseball games and things like that. And also like air shows and all that kind of stuff. And we did things in the air, we popped smokes and you could see us doing stuff. And then there's the competition team, which my fiance was on. So that's how we met. Oh, um, no way. He, did, he did like, yeah. You know, have you ever seen like formation jumps where they like turn and flip and he did that. And they had to hit certain points. Um, and they, his team actually won national championship, which is really cool. Um, so Yeah.
0: Is it scored then the way like gymnastics or something would be scored? Like, is there judges who... So
1: there's different like formations they had to do. He's going to get so mad because I'm probably not going to explain this right. There's different formations you had to do. And then you'd get it before you jump. So it's, you'd get like a certain pattern and you just keep doing it over and over again. Then you get scored by the number of times you do that pattern right over and over again. So they have to know the different things they can, they need to do so well that they can do it like in their sleep because... They get the they would get the jump right before they went up, and they would kind of go over again, and they jump out and do it.
0: Whoa! So, so it's like real, it's like real time sensitive then, right? It's like it seems yeah. like a real intense period. Yeah,
1: because you jump at a certain altitude, and then you you have to break, go off, and then pull your parachute, so you're away from each other. So they get about I'd say about forty seconds, I think, a jump.
0: Wow! And yeah. you you've since become uh, a jump master. Was that kind of in yeah. in that like did that does that lead well into that and a jump master just like from what i don't really understand it that much but it's almost like an instructor more or less
1: yeah so that was like the purpose of the team um our whole fresh sophomore year was an upgrade to become a jump master okay we had like a program there and um that either people going in their sophomore year or their senior year did the jump program and at the end of the program they got to jump out of the plane the first time they jumped out they pulled their own shoe it's one of the only programs in the world that does that and then we were in charge of teaching that um and then on the plane we were in the back you know deciding where to jump from we'd open the back and look in the ground and, and decide at what point do we let everyone out to jump um so there's like a lot that went into it a lot of training um so yeah
0: when I, and when i'm thinking of like is it really intense like is yeah it, or- i mean
1: it's it's i mean once you once you've done it a few times, the first couple of times you're like a jump master in the back, you're super nervous because there is a lot of responsibility because you're communicating with the pilot. And then, you know, you're making decisions that are like affecting people's lives. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it is nerve-wracking, but it's super exciting. Um, just like watching someone jump out of a plane for the first time is like the best and knowing that you train them to do that. It's the best feeling in the world. And I'm still really good friends with a lot of the students I worked with. And, you know, it's like such a, um, gives you a lot of confidence for life, you know, some people like, you know, a lot of people have never jumped out of an airplane and then you're jumping out and doing it yourself. I mean, it just kind of sets you up if you can do that then like you can do anything. And that's what a lot of people said is like, I jump out of an airplane by myself. Like I can do anything. So that's that's what we're trying to do is like help people build confidence and things like that. Huh? Yeah.
0: So when, do you ever get to call back on that experience? Like, does it relate to OCR in any way? Like how, or can you draw any lines from like jump master or, or just that type of building confidence to obstacle course
1: Yeah, I definitely think those experiences as far as just the mental part of it have helped me um, just in all areas of my life. Uh, I'm like a, I'm outgoing, but I'm also quiet. And, you know, sometimes, you know, with anything, like you don't always have like a ton of confidence. And sometimes I'll sneak think back and I'm like, how's a professional skydiver? Like, I I, like, I'm good. <laughs> I can do this. This is not that scary. Like I can do this. Like, in um, you know, there's a huge mental part to that. And I think especially in the type of races I do, um, the mental part is the most important part in my opinion. And I think, uh, just those experiences have definitely helped shape me in the sport for sure.
0: And when I think of like skydiving and just any type of height in general like it's like fear is like one of the first things that comes up a lot yeah right? are you scared of anything ever now or are you just like nothing can scare you or is it
1: No, <laughs> yeah, i mean i i people say like well, you must be fearless i'm like well i take calculated risks, and um, <laughs> it's like and still I don't like that spiders whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because like you know your experience and your train but um it definitely like i don't shy away from fear i guess like i uh, if i'm scared I'll be scared, but I do it anyways. And I think that's what that has taught me is like, and there's a saying that um, it's like stand in the door and like stand in the door in all areas of your life, because it's nerve wracking to like get in the door and jump out. Like the hardest part sometimes is like standing in the door and letting go because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you've been trained for it, but you still don't know what's going to happen. And I think that happens in a lot of areas in our life. Um, You know, you, you, you know, you're ready, you know, you can do it but it's like hard to like get to the start line or to get to that position to actually do it. And I think those experiences have definitely helped me just get up and go and whatever happens, happens, but like just stand in the door. Stand so. in the
0: door. That's cool. And do you say that yeah. to yourself? <laughs> do you say that to yourself still, or is it like kind of embedded in like your thought process at this point?
1: Well, I'm kind of cheesy. I have like little card, you know, cards little post-its on your yeah. yeah I, mean, <laughs> I would say I like say that one, but um, I say, parts of that like um just do it just like you just have to go you just have to go do it so um yeah I guess I should start saying it again it's kind of a joke of a lot of people on the team now We say like stand in the door to each other but um, <laughs> of, like if anybody hear this they're gonna like laugh but um yeah I definitely probably should write it down and start using that in my life again
0: <laughs> yeah now that you're, like you're removed from it it doesn't have to be corny yeah. you can like be back to meaning something like really cool and powerful Yeah (laughs) I like it. But with your experiences, like you have you have this big range of experience, whether it's being professional skydiver, um, you know, playing division one soccer, uh being in the military, doing some like bodybuilding stuff, and now being a successful OCR athlete. What makes you take on new endeavors? Like when are you ready to expand that skill set? Like what, how do you explain
1: that? I just have a passion for trying new things. Like I love trying new things. Um, I love that. And I, I love experiencing things. Cause I feel like, you know, you only get so much time to try stuff. And I've always been like that my whole life. I've just loved taking things on and challenging myself. And that's like, that's one thing I love about this sport is that it's um, always new and exciting to me. And I know some people I've, I've heard some of the um, more like higher level athletes talking about it and it doesn't always seem like they have the same passion. Like I definitely will probably always have that passion for the sport because every race even is like new and different and challenging. And I know I've done world service Mudder a couple times, but that race, no matter, I think that no matter how experienced you are is always going to be challenging in some way. Mm. And that's what I love. Like I love putting myself in positions that I don't know if I'm going to finish. Like, I don't know. Like I don't, I, I might fall on my face and fail. And I have failed doing these races and, I like that. Like I'm, I'm someone who al- is always willing to try, even if I know I'm going to fail. Cause I never like, want, like I said, I never want to be afraid of failure. Like I'd never want to fear something and not try it out of fear. So um, I think that's what has drawn me to this sport is especially the type of um, races that I do. Like I like the longer races, the 24 races. And you know, you can't do a lot of those a year. You can only really do one or two, I'd say. Um, if you want to do them well and you want to recover, right. And not, you know, fall into like some, some weird depression things, right. it wouldn't be good for your mental health. Um, but I think that's why I like these races so much.
0: And is that a reason that you think you feel like you've been drawn to the longer ones Are the shorter ones, not as exciting because they're they're you're almost certainly going to finish and like the risks that would be kind of within them will be like i guess there'll be less risks i i suppose or you'd have to really kind of go out of your way to take risks or what's how do you justify like the difference between the two different races and like how you're drawn to the long no
1: that's a great question because i i hoped at one point i would have been drawn to the other races because i think um i know they're they probably not be easier to train for but more like straightforward with their training but i think why i like the 24 hour races so much amongst a lot of different things is that it's kind of like an equalizer like you, no one really has an advantage in a 24 hour race. Um, you, I mean, you could have this crazy running background, but that doesn't mean you're going to do good in the race because a lot of people are really, really great runners and they don't do well at these races. And some people are really good at other things and they don't do all well these races. And it's, there's like so much that goes into it. And that's why I always talk about the mental part of it. Um, cause there's just a lot more than just, you know, I train really hard. Like that's it. It's like, no, it's like how you like, when do you train and do you train like, when you're tired or do you only train when it's perfect timing or, you know, what, what are you doing to mentally prepare yourself? And, you know, there's all these other pieces that I've really enjoyed um, learning and figuring out. And I like that. I think there's a lot of things in life where people have an advantage. And I like that this one, there really isn't like, no one has an advantage and that's, what's kind of exciting about it.
0: Yeah. And the idea of these longer races and kind of how you approach them, it's like, it is a, f- like the training is also really difficult too. like the, it's like a risk making that choice to put this much volume on yourself and then put it all in leading into this one race. And I, I know that you've had some changes in terms of like your schedule recently. And I do want to get into like your, your career currently. Um, But right now you're working night shifts, right? Yeah. So that presents an obstacle all on its own and then kind of train on top of that but like when we were talking just the other day you had mentioned like there are ways that you you kind of like that this is also a new challenge like kind of figuring out ways to create mental challenges within like your current circumstances so like is are you do you often seek those out or like do you like how how does that work in your life
1: yeah no that's an awesome question because it's like right now, I work three 12-hour shifts, three to four. We kind of demand for overtime now. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So uh, sometimes we have to work more. There's more babies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the corona babies are a real thing. So. Are they going to uh,
0: call them Generation C? I've heard that's going to be a thing.
1: Oh, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> Generation C babies. Yeah. So yeah, I started Night Shift about six months ago, and it definitely has presented a new challenge. And at first, I was struggling a lot. And I guess I struggle on and off. But then I tried to change my mindset and reframe this whole experience um, into thinking like, well, this is actually going to help me come world's toughest mutter because nighttime is is when people tend to struggle and I know how to train and do things at night. And I've tried to like take it as, okay, well, this is like an opportunity I'm being given. And like, you can either choose to see it as, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do this or like, okay, how can I make this work and still train a high level because it is possible. And so that's what I've tried to see this experience as now. And it's definitely been a challenge, but, um, now I'm like, okay, after a couple of 12 hour shifts, like I try to do some kind of workout, it may not be the best workout of the week, but I try to do something because mentally I'm like, okay, like I know that after four 12 hour shifts, I can do a 50 K and finish it. Or like, I can go do this race and, or I can do this workout and finish it. Like, I know like mentally I can do that. So like when, during the race, when there's going to be times where you're going to feel like shit, you're going to lean, you're going to like leverage those experience you've already had. So that's what I'm trying to, um, see this whole experience as, and it's definitely helped me and just reframing has definitely changed how I've tra- how I'm training and how I'm working and how I am as a person, how I am as a friend. So, um, it's helped a lot.
0: Are you constantly needing to remind yourself uh, and like kind of reframe it? Like, or do you, will you drift back into like, Oh, this sucks. Like night shift is terrible. Or yeah, I
1: definitely fall back into it sometimes. And it, it's hard because a lot of people who work night shift, um, nobody really likes. I mean, some people like night shift, but I don't see a lot of people liking night shift. So it is hard when you're working it because, you know, people aren't necessarily always happy with working night shift. Um, so it's something I've had to be very mindful of and conscious of. And I've had to, you know, even write it on a piece of paper and have it in my car and I read it before I go into work. And that's helped me a lot, uh, just like what my purpose is and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and that's kind of helped, that's helped me a ton because it's not always easy. And I do fall into those, like, what was me moments. And then I try to, you know, lean back to other experiences I've had in the past. I'm like, I've done a a lot harder than this. Like, this is not that hard. (laughs) I can do this. So,
0: and are you doing the similar type of practice in other aspects of your life or have you always tried to like lean into the hard things for this, for this purpose?
1: Yeah, I guess like now that I like think back on things, I, I do try to lean into those, m- m- like lean into the challenge. And one thing Ryan Atkins used to say, is he likes to sink his teeth into like challenges. Like he likes to when it's really hard to just like sink his teeth into it. And like, just like, and that's kind of how I like to think about all this. just like, just really like get into it and feel it. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess I do try to like lean into the challenges. I'm trying
0: to yeah because there is like that moment where and I think like how you mentioned there, like these longer distances being like the equalizer right and I think there is yeah. a, uh, a tendency I know I've kind of fallen to this is like if I can get fit enough it just won't suck that bad and like not for 24 hours for any type of race for any type of endeavor like if I can be prepared yeah. enough maybe I can push away the, the 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 suckiness or even like in workouts like how is it going? Am I okay? Like, I hope this doesn't start to suck soon. Um, when those, and like, I guess when those moments happen for you, you're like, are you like, good, here we go. Or like, are you trying to avoid those? Or do you have those like moments where you're like, man, I hope this doesn't happen.
1: I think I actually thought about this at work. I, I want to say like, I want challenges to happen, but when they happen, I like love when they happen. Cause I like love seeing how I respond to it.
0: Do you know yeah. right away or you're like challenge time? Like let's go. <laughs> or yeah. It-
1: well, what it happens is like, cause we, you know, I think of my job, I, I guess I'm just thinking about my job right now. And I, I know that's kind of not what you're trying to bring up, but I'm like bringing it up because I'm like, sometimes things will come in that are like really challenging. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And then it's like, and then after I'm like, oh my gosh, I just took a deep breath and I just did it. And like, look what I was able to do. So yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't get like super excited, but then after I'm happy that they have
0: to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> okay, cool. I did it. Um, yeah. is the reflection like, have you gone through challenges and not been able to reflect upon it that way? Is the reflection part really important then?
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I, someone who analyzes everything that happens. So I always like when challenges or anything happens, I always try to really, I analyze it in every single way I I dissect it. I try to figure out like what the lesson and I'm religious. I always try to think of like what God's trying to like teach me in these moments. So I am someone who really reflects on like everything that happens. So I always feel like things you're being given are always being given you for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've had some challenging things uh, just with work stuff recently. And, you know, at first I'm like, well, like, what did I do wrong? Like, why am I being given this? Or like, why did this happen to me? And then like, when I think back, and like, now that I'm like moving forward with it, I see like why I was given, like try to see it as like an opportunity. Like I was given this opportunity and, you know, it's what you choose to do with it. And, you know, you can either choose to be upset and think like, what was me? Or you can like, okay, like, what is the lesson? And someone's trying to teach me with this and like, what can I do moving forward? So that's how I try to think of things. It's hard in those moments. And I definitely struggle and I definitely struggled, struggled here recently, um, but I definitely done a lot of reflection that has helped a lot.
0: And is there, I mean, like the reframing part, it, it just seems to be a, a constant for you. And like, it seems to be yeah. a skill that, you know, that you can, you can summon when, when needed, when you organize yeah. that type of reflection, is it just in your head or, or is there a process to that as well?
1: It's a process and yeah. I'm really lucky. I have people in my life who kind of get me at this point and understand um, sometimes I, when the bad things happen, I was like, I just have to like go through it. And that's what I say. Like, I just need to ride the low. Like it's, I just need to like, let myself go through it. Like let myself be emotional. And then once it's over, I can move on. And sometimes that process takes some time, takes some time. Uh, but I've been a lot better as I've gotten older with like communicating that. Um, because it is so important to me when those challenges do happen, that I try to use them and help and use them as something that can help me in my life. And to do that, I have to like feel it and go through it not try to just like push it away close in the door and let it you know whatever i'm not gonna deal with that i have to like deal with it and that's the only way i feel like i can learn and grow from experiences is like feeling all the feels um good or bad
0: so so for, yeah. for me this is something this is like a new a new concept for me that i've been working on the past couple of years is like
1: yeah. feelings
0: feeling feelings yeah. like i'm yes. I'm Irish, I'm Irish <laughs> catholic so things just get like pushed down it's like we're fine
1: yeah i don't right. need anybody's
0: help um has that been like, when did you come across the, like the, uh, and and to me, like that's harder again, that like, is that kind of what it is? Like it's harder to feel and to like live in those feelings than to just shove them down or to just like do something else, like eat food or drink beer or whatever it is that you're doing to just not feel that. Um, So does that kind of come back? Is that like a stand in the door type of thing?
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, I think that I could, when I think back to when I started doing it for myself, it was like, I remember it was, I had a, just a really bad breakup and I used to advise people always come to me for advice. Like what do I need to do? And you know, so many people bounce, like when a bad breakup happens, they try to bounce the next thing. Like, no, you need to like go through it, like feel this. So you don't like, so you don't just fall into the same trap, you know, like go th- allow yourself to go through this. And the first time I really had to do that was this breakup I had and you know, it was awful just like anything. And you know, I, felt all the feels for like four months just in, in a bad place you know and then once i w- got through it you know i was like i'm never gonna let that happen again i'm never gonna let certain things happen again and it taught me in my life like always l- allow yourself to go through that because then you don't want to fall back in the same traps and that's right. like anything jobs any bad things that happen to you you know you have to like let yourself feel it you know and i think that's the only way you can like grow is like feel it feel what happened think about what happened and then then you don't fall back into those like same mistakes and same things. So I'd say I probably, when I really started allowing myself to do that was be, would be like in my early twenties. Um, and it's like helped me in all areas of my life now. So I'm really glad I've allowed myself to do that. And I try to be a friend that allows my friend, allow my friends to go through those feelings too. So I tend to be the friend that people call me when, you know, they're going through tough times. And um, I try i a pretty, I think I'm an empathetic person and I like want people to be able to feel things too. And I think the only way sometimes people can is if they have someone to talk to about it too. So I try to be that kind of friend and then people are that friend to me when I need it. So
0: well, that, yeah. yeah, it's good that it goes both ways. I was going to ask, does that get heavy? Are you just like, I yeah. have to handle, I'm handling a lot of emotions yeah. from a lot of different places. I'm a
1: now. nurse, so I have big shoulders. You uh, got, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> just load them up.
1: I'm a delivery nurse. I handle all the feels. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I am as a nurse too. I'm like, just, you know, just cry. It's fine. Like, I got it, go. it. I'm here. Yeah, it's cry. no problem. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Do
0: it. <laughs> I, and like, I'm sure in- labor and delivery every day has to be like the most emotional scenario that that person that you're helping is going through Mm -hmm. uh only a couple times in their life (laughs) so like um to tell me a little bit about like how you got into into this area like what drew you to like the labor and delivery
1: yeah so i was a before i got into nursing i was in the air force i was like an acquisitions officer thought i was gonna go before program management being in the management world and then I got into that and like I like being in management but I don't really like business and all that so um my mom's a nurse I come from like a long line of nurses so I was like I it's kind of always something I thought about doing and then I kind of just went for it and a lot of opportunities like present themselves right away at night school nursing program I was able to do I was in the air force I had great commanders who allowed me to do it so um I did that and then um I got out of the air force I'm in the reserve still, but, um, at, at active duty. Um, and I got into med surge, but the goal is always to get into labor and delivery. Um, I, I've always had a passion for women's health. I've always had a passion for, um, pregnancy and postpartum and all that. I just like, love that. I just think it's amazing. I think women and what they go through are amazing. Men are too. men are too, men are too in that Thank process you. are yeah. very <laughs> you know, like, and it's giving me a good like partner. Like they can change the, I mean, those deliveries go so well with when they have a good partner. So I always want to include the men too. Sometimes I think we forget about you guys, but you're super helpful in the process too. Appreciate um, but it. like, I just always had a passion for women's health and like getting the labor and delivery. Um, it just really opened my eyes to all the opportunities there are to like, um, there's just so much to do. And I just think um, it's amazing. Ah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, I love, I just think it's so much fun. You have to be super patient, and it's like super stressful sometimes because it's a high-stake game. But um, it's also really, really fun.
0: <laughs> Has the the women's health piece it, like how do, how does that kind of connect? Um,
1: yeah.
0: With like the long the long-term idea of of your passion for this piece, like
1: is yeah.
0: yeah how do you how do you foresee that happening? Because I know that's something that you do really care about.
1: Yeah. So that was something I thought, okay, like I know I have a passion for this and I obviously have a passion for fitness. Um, and I never, I didn't go into labor and delivery thinking like, Oh, I'm going to create some business after. But as I've gotten into it, I was like, "I, I wonder if I could like combine the two things that I love a lot because I think there is a need for it. Um, there are a lot of programs out there for, you know, fitness and pregnancy and all that. But, um, I think my experience being kind of like a, I do like higher level sports and I also am a labor delivery nurse. So it's not, you know, I'm not just a, I don't just have a certification. Like I have right. like real hands-on experience. With yeah. So, um, I would be cool to do, like do some kind of programming um, or just like, I just think fitness helps with your mental health too. And obviously, postpartum depression, like a really real thing um, that a lot of women experience. And I think having something to do or, you know, and especially because their bodies are all, all changed and, you know, all these hormones are going through them. Yeah. Um, I just yeah. think it'd be cool to get some kind of programming for that. And not just for um, I think there's a need for it for people just in, in the fitness. But I also think there's a need for it for like, higher level athletes, I'd say like people who train at a high level, and then they're pregnant. And like, what sports can they still do now? And I don't think there's like a ton of information out there for those kind of athletes, because I wonder that for myself, because that's something I hope to do down the line too. I want to be a mom and I want to compete still. So like mm-hmm. how, how do you like stay at a high level? Obviously don't not harming yourself or your baby. And then kind of like after get back into it. So um, it's something I'm like really passionate about. And I've been doing like a lot of research um, on, and I hope to down the line, do something. I want to have the experience first, but um, it's something I like really am passionate about. I hope to do down the line.
0: It seems like a, a, a huge need, right? Like, cause yeah. it's, it doesn't, we, we see some examples of women coming back and performing at a higher, at even a higher level sometimes. So there's definitely, yeah. definitely a way to do it. Um, but yeah. are like, I don't know too much about the world. Are there, are the resources yeah. pretty limited? Like where do people get this type of information?
1: There, there are resources and you'll see it on like Instagram and stuff. You see like people doing programming, but I want something that's like a little more in depth. Yeah. Um, like it would probably start with something like one more one-on-one first and then, um, a lot of my friends here are getting like I'm in that age group where people are starting to have babies and they're reaching out to me. So I'm kind of getting a lot of practice now. Um, obviously I'm give, doing good research. I'm not just like giving them things, but i really trying to learn what they're going through and what help they need. Um, and there, there are re- there are things out there, but I just wanted, I think there's more we can do with it. So that's what I'm hoping to do.
0: So what, what does it look like? Like say, I don't know how many years this is down the road when you have this thing up and moving, like, and yeah, like programming is fine. Like anybody can deliver programming.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: How does it look like, what is missing the piece of that? Like, is it going to have a lot of the, um, like the emotional load as well, like helping people move yeah. through things? Like how would that, how do you, how do you foresee this all yeah. like tying together? Well,
1: I would really, really like to combine, um, you know, the programming piece along with, people getting ready for that day itself, you know, uh, there's like positions you can do for different, it's hard to explain, but there's different positioning for deliveries that make, make it less painful depending on what's going on. And like, I would really like to add that into, so like kind of have this be a whole thing, you know, like a whole like two year thing, you know, you, you, and then you get like cohorts of people And so, um, other people who are passionate about the same thing are working with, you know, there's like little groups and they have those in some places, but, um, uh, not quite as much as we probably need. Um, and like, it would just be like an all encompassing thing. So, um, you know, like ab exercise, like abs, the ab exercises, actual, you know, cardio things to do the mental health piece, just like an all, all encompassing thing. That's what I would want to do. And then after, um having that too because sometimes we do a bunch of things before and then we forget like you know there's this whole mental health thing that happens with them after they deliver so let's not forget about that
0: (laughs) yeah which i'm sure would be even more beneficial than any actual programming and do you think it would be like from even before woman becomes pregnant and then like preparing them for pregnancy or is it like pretty much only post what it like, how do you foresee that? It
1: would be, I think it'd be fun. Like from the very beginning to like a year after, I think that would be, that would be a dream, but it would s- obviously start small. Like you can't do all that one. So I'd probably do like a piece of it. That's, that would be easier. And then slowly start adding things in. Um, but this is like a long, like, I would say this would be like five years down the line when this would probably really be something because I still want to have, I think it's really important to have experience in something and really have good, you know, sound knowledge. Um, because you, anybody, like you said, can do a program, come up with something and give it to someone, but right, you know, it could be to give something that actually has, you know, some science to back it up and some like real experience and real practice. And, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I went through it myself too. So totally, uh, that's why I wouldn't want to do it like that.
0: The practical application is like the biggest part, right? Like it's like, yeah. Any personal trainer can go through a certification on what to do and what not to do, um, but like actually going through it and like kind of troubleshooting it on your own would definitely and it adds credibility as well, right? Yeah. Like go, going yeah. through it and then coming out and kicking butt and being like, all right, see.
1: Yeah. See Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, cool. I love that. I think that's a really cool goal. Goal long term. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, for me about it. Cause I've never actually talked with anybody about it. So I've only talked to like my family and friends about it. So thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, of course. And then, yeah, yeah it will be interesting to see like how those things will kind of like start to manifest and what, what you need to do to kind of get up. And I mean, like you're right in it still. So if you have a built-in yeah. client base Yeah. <laughs> right, right when they're done. It's like, hey. like,
1: I like I have like a good group here and then like, obviously we'll have a good group with labor and delivery. So it's like, Cool, I can like bridge the gap, right? Yeah.
0: Um, and so now looking at twenty twenty one, if there's going to be any type of semblance of a season or anything like that, um, we're hoping, right? Like in World's Toughest, is far enough away that we think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so like, what do you what are you thinking for this year in terms of like the the consistency behind the training? Like, what do you have in mind for twenty twenty one?
1: Yeah. So. I think my long-term goal this year is going to be world's toughest Smutter. I kind of went back and forth on it. I wanted to try Spartan's 24 hour race too, but um, I don't know how realistic it is right now to do both of those races and uh, world's toughest mutter. I just still have like something left to prove there. I just don't feel like I've done quite what I feel like I'm capable of doing. So I especially since it's going to be in Vegas, it's going to be like a flatter race. So I think higher mileage is going to be more likely there. Um, I'd like to just like give that one, one more shot.
0: So and- um, and yeah. it's worth noting you've gotten second there twice, right? Yeah. And was one in the, uh, Nevada and one in Georgia you've done in both spots or were they both in Nevada? Both
1: were in Georgia. Both were in um, Georgia.
0: Oh, so you've never done yeah. this race.
1: Yeah. So huh. I've never done the Vegas race. Um, yeah. So I, I just, the first year I did, it was World matter. It was, I thought I could do 75 miles and I did it and just ended up working out really well. And then, like, last year, last time I did it, I I didn't quite get the mileage I wanted. And I just didn't have a great race. It just kind of was, like, one of those races where everything that went wrong could go wrong. And I still was able to, like, pull something, pull second place off. But um, I just, like, that mileage, I think I definitely could have, I think I was in better shape than what, like, I got. Um, So I'd like to, you know, try to go for a higher mileage. It's never really been about the placement for me, especially for these races. It's more about hitting a goal I wanted to hit. So... Um, I have a mileage goal in mind. I want to try to hit, so I'm going to try again. Yeah.
0: Cause I mean, I feel like most people would look at you and be like, she is a highly accomplished ultra athlete, you know, like really good accolades at this, like at the biggest ultra race and OCR, arguably I I would would put it right up there. So, um, but you, you don't seem that satisfied no
1: i mean i am It just it's hard like the first time it was kind of like i don't know how that happened right. so in the second year it was like okay like i have a good plan and i i did well at the race i did in australia and i was i felt really good and i was building up and it just things like it's just a race everything went wrong and that was like my last race last ocr mm-hmm. in a year so it's like i've just been thinking about it so much um and yeah like i said like i have high standards and i you know like I, the placement's amazing. I'm really grateful for it, but I have a mileage goal that I want to try to hit. So I'm like, obviously.
0: right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And like, you you probably weren't upset on the podium, but uh, (laughs) what's a successful race look, look like for you then in like 2021? Uh, Like, what would you, yeah. What would be a goal? Like, like when you finish, like, what would you be like? Okay. I'm I've, I've been redeemed. I feel great about this. What does that look like?
1: So if I, um, have them get close to the mileage goal I want. And I mean, those races never feel good. Like that. You always feel, I mean, you don't feel good about the race for like a week. Like you're really just, you're like, no matter what, you're always feeling just really bad. Your body just Uh, doesn't let you. It's like, Hey, don't don't do that again. It'd be more like if I, you know, didn't go out too hard and I kept the pacing strategy I wanted and I did the obstacles the way I wanted to. And my nutrition was good. And, um, a lot of things that are just really, really important in these longer races. Like if I got those on point and then at the end, if I felt absolutely horrible and I know I left it all out there, that would be like success. So success for me would be if I fall on the ground and can't get up because I'm so tired. That's how I want to feel. I want to feel like there's absolutely nothing left in me. And so that, and then I'll know that like, I gave it everything I had.
0: Those, those are the goals. I mean, that and like i love the mindset you have behind it because that leads to performances happening the way that they did for you yeah. right It's like if i put everything out there and if i get seventh i get seventh if i get second that's cool also yeah. but i want to put everything out there
1: yeah
0: um what do you have to do on the course that day to get to that point or like leading into that day like what, what kind of steps do you have to take to make that goal happen
1: um for me it's definitely racing more consistently um i definitely uh need to get right back to that race mindset and pacing the right way, my, you know, practicing dialing my nutrition and dialing everything in the way it needs to be. Um, I think that's what helped me to be successful the last the two years previously was that I did races consistently. And even if you don't do well, like I don't, I don't do them for any placement. It's purely for training. Um, and that's what I want to be doing like this year a lot is trying to erase every month and then like a non OCR. So something that's completely just for practice um, I want to do that once a month and then try to do a couple like toughest or a couple of longer OCRs just to you know obviously it's good to practice running and doing obstacles so um, that I think that's what would really help me and then obviously leading up to world status matter, about three to four months would be just increasing volume like getting the volume up and things like that so that's kind of what I feel like this year would look like and I'm kind of already off to like a good start. I'm doing, I did a race in January. I have a race plan in February. So I'm like doing what I said I was going to do. Um, and I have other races planned. So
0: yeah. How did it feel after that 50 K that like went really well? Like how did, did you feel like everything was laid out there or was there points in the race where like, yeah, what, what went well in that, most recent race,
1: yeah. Oh, well, what went well is that I finished it, which was awesome. That was like, great. I did that mile race a couple months ago and didn't finish. So, like, the main goal is like I just need to finish, get my confidence back, to know that I can finish a race. Um, so that felt good. I mean, I I came out too fast, and then I remember why I don't go out fast because uh-huh. you know you have nothing left at the end. Like, I really feel like it's important to pace yourself. So it was a lot of like lessons learned came out of it. And I really felt like I did better with my nutrition. That's kind of what I struggled with at the hundred mile race, is I forgot to eat consistently like you're supposed to. And I did that properly at this race. So I did like, and I was like hyd- really well hydrated, you know, I was like, so I, the, all those things were good. And I actually wasn't really sore. I was sore the next day, but like two days later I was fine. So I thought all oh, that was like a good sign, especially since like leading up to it, I worked four night shifts. Yeah. So I yeah. did So I, did I was, wasn't sure how the recovery would be. I thought maybe I might be like trash for like two weeks, but, um, actually felt really good. So I, and honestly, like made me so happy. I was just so happy. I called everybody I could think of after. And I was like, I need to race more. I, <laughs> 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 this is <okay. laughs> I and- what I was missing. <laughs> so, Yeah.
0: And that's something that you kind of planned out, right? Like having specific type of races throughout just to have these type of practices built in. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: what does it look like for you on the nutrition end of things? Like when things didn't go well, was it just a lapse of planning or was it just a lapse of judgment? Like what it like, how did you, what kind of mistakes have you made on, on that end?
1: Um, it was just a lapse of planning for sure for the hundred mile race. I was, and I had stuff to eat, but I'm just used to, the 100 I mean the OCRs I've done where it's like every five miles ish every hour hour and a half you ha- you go into your pit crew and they remind you to eat they give you something and then I eat it halfway through and it's very like methodical um where this is like it, it, you had to be more check your clock okay it's been 30 minutes I need to eat now like no one's telling me to because I don't really know where I am um so just that I just I should have had like, alarm set or something or just been really mindful that I need to eat it because I didn't eat enough in the beginning and then at the end I had like nothing like there's just and then you can't eat anymore and that happens during 24 races so there's times where you just cannot eat and it's like but if it's towards the end and you've been really good in the beginning you can get away with it um but I didn't do any of that right in the beginning so then at the end I had nothing so uh that's something I've been really trying to like be focused on I was really trying to be focused on during that race
0: how how can someone manage that when you don't feel like eating like what happens is just palate fatigue. I mean, I've only done my longest race I've done is 50 K. Right. So I can eat, I can eat enough gels and like be fine for, for that long. But after a while, I'm I'd imagine there has to be some different things, signals that are kind of popping up. How do you, how do you deal with that? Like when you don't feel like eating.
1: Yeah. So normally when I do my 24 hour races, like I try to eat whole food as long as I can. And I can normally tell how I'm feeling based on when I can't eat whole food anymore. So if like, if i'm not able to eat whole food anymore and i'm already at gels kind of early then i slow down a lot and i drink hmm. a lot of water um because i think it's because my heart i, I don't know all the signs behind it but i feel like it's cause, like my heart rates up and i'm going too much adrenaline i just can't get anything down yeah um, but then i try to slow down those moments um because i think these i think it's important to try to get whole foods in for 24-hour races like you can't do gels the whole time because you're gonna like have some serious GI problems and you're just going to feel sick. Like you have to be able to get whole food in at times. Um, And I know the whole foods that like work for me. Like I I do like Nutella and waffles and I do pop Tarts and peanut butter and that those two things work great for me. So that's what I do. And I do chicken noodle soup at night and it works. Um, But I just, I didn't plan like that for the hundred mile race I did. So um, it's definitely something I'm practicing again and getting in a good rhythm again. And, you know, right. Taking notes when I'm training and what works before I did certain runs and things like that. So just so I can be ready for this year.
0: I see that that's really smart to have that be a a, a type of marker because like, yeah, once your, once your heart rate gets elevated, like blood gets like pulled away from your gut. When you have whole foods, like you have to kind of run slower in order to yeah. digest it all. Yeah. And if you, and if you're, and so like, that's almost a pacing strategy. Is, is that kind yeah. of how you lean? That's really smart. Did you find that Did yeah. you like learn that somewhere, or did you kind of learn like on your own
1: kind of on my own and kind of, um, definitely like through listening to different people, um, and like how they do things and then just practice. Um, I've discovered that like if I'm not eating whole foods anymore and I'm going right to the gels at the end of the run or end of the race, I'm like not feeling very good and I'm having a lot of GI problems. So like, that's something like I've learned that, um, Pacing wise, especially for the hundred mile race, I kind of noticed that, and I did. I didn't notice it, and I did like at one of the pit stops. I took like a thirty minute break, and I told my pit crew, I was like, "I am feeling nauseous. I'm going too fast. I need to stop. I don't care. I need to put my stretch. I just need to slow down because I'm going too fast." Um, and I knew that, but I was just kind of. I, I still didn't eat enough, so I recognized that, and I tried to like figure it out, but um, I just I didn't do it in time, so. Um, and a lot of these races, people, I forget, someone told me, um, it's kind of like you start racing and then it's just, you're trying to manage problems and manage issues and, um, try to figure things out because you're problem solving. Like you start running and then it's problem solving to finish the race. So, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah.
0: Um, and what, what, so is it like a, a nauseous feeling when you don't want to eat anymore just for, cause I'm sure that's kind of like, uh, something that you might not be able to recognize until you're yeah. in it. But like, if you're out there, like for you, does it like, does it feel like, is it like sloshing around or does it feel like you're just going to get it's, sick? Honestly, or... It's
1: nausea and you literally cannot eat. I mean, imagine just being when you're really sick, like you have the flu and you just cannot eat anything. That's how it feels like literally you cannot. Huh. like I was at this pit group, pit stop during the hundred mile race. My, my pit crew couldn't come to that one. And that was part of it too. Cause the COVID they couldn't come to a lot of the pit stops. And I literally just sat there and just like hunched over and like could not, I was like, I had this like thing to eat there and I could not eat it. And I like knew I needed to eat it. And I could not, I still remember that feeling. Like, I was like, I, I have to eat this and I could not eat it. I tried to do little pieces of it and like it wanted, It just couldn't. And I didn't eat just for like happening. the whole night. And it was like the one time where you can eat whatever you want. And after, you know, you just ran whatever miles and you just can right. you just can't. So
0: do you look forward to the eating part or like sweet pop-tarts This is gonna be great or is it more just like i need well
1: it's actually like exciting that first and then uh and then that's what sucks about the races it's, i always say I'm like this is the one time where i eat whatever i want and then you know a couple days after a race i don't want to eat anything and then when kind of like yeah. tassled, metabolism is already kind of back to work be, that's when i want to eat everything so it's like kind of funny i'm like dang it um but i try not to eat like any Nutella because Nutella is like my favorite thing in the whole world, but I don't eat Nutella until it's like race time. I'm actually really good about that. I do not eat Nutella at all until race time. Cause then it's like, I really, really look forward to it. So I try to, and I don't really eat waffles that much. Well, not that much. And then I don't have pop darts at all until it's race time. Um, just so it's like something I like really look forward to. And then I have a ton of Snickers, like Snickers, are, like my thing when I race, but I don't have Snickers any other time. Cause like, that's my race food. So
0: it, does that help with the mental yeah. aspect of it too you're like this this is okay yeah. at least snickers are coming yeah snickers
1: um, and like my, i could probably be like a snickers and mike and ike's uh sponsor during these races because it's like my go-to things mike and ike's i don't know what it is i don't i never like mike and ike's mike and ike's and skittles i don't really like in real life but during races it's i just i eat so much i eat so much of that it's like because <laughs> <comical. laughs> i just have in my pocket and i just kind of eat them I'm running. and it tastes
0: good and i like suck on them so it's so like kind of easy yeah yeah um you have some cool strategies when we when we first met you were talking to tell me about them that where you kind of kind of um abstain from some certain certain things so that when it comes time to race um yeah. that they work better yeah. and in particular like carbohydrates and caffeine you do that yeah with, right Mm-hmm. um so what's that process like for you because i mean it makes sense to me it makes sense from like uh like a physiological standpoint like how that would work yeah but like the practical part of it and just like executing on that it seems way harder
1: yeah
0: like, what is that like when you're leading in like what is that what do you kind of do
1: i kind of um, i started doing it because with bodybuilding i did a, i didn't do a ton of bodybuilding but i did like a couple competitions. And that's what you do. You know, you go really low on carbs and you fill up on carbs right before, you know, a competition, because then it kind of makes you swell up and look really jacked. Um, and the way uh, Travis, my fiance, was a bodybuilder too. And he was really good about doing that. And just the results he had, I remember before race, I was like, do you think like that'd be, you know, if I cycled off and like brought carbs back in right before the race, you think that would work? He's like, yeah, a lot of marathoners and stuff like people do that. Um, and I was like, oh, so I tried it for a race and I saw a lot of success with it. So then I was like, well, what if I did it two or three weeks before and I can just do it like the week before. And so I kind of like trial and air trial to air, kind of figured out a way that works. So I usually before, I only really do this before like bigger races, because I just don't really think it's necessary otherwise. Um, like three weeks before I'll go, go like really low carb, um, probably about a hundred 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 grams of carbs. And then the week before I'll go like 75. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do like 75 grams of carbs and then um, wow. that'll be like, up to like two days before and it'll be like the carbs will be like vegetable carbs. So it's really, really low carb. Um, yeah. I do like high protein, higher, not, not, not too much. It's actually just like a low, low calorie diet as a whole. And then like two weeks before, uh, two days before, I mean, I'll do like high carb. Like that's basically all. Have high carb. And then yeah. the day before, um, like the day the day before and like the half day before, I try not to do like any fiber um, because it messes with. I don't have any GI problems during 24 hours because those, once you have those, they're just miserable. So I don't do like any fiber. It's all just like all the carbs you're not supposed to eat are like the carbs that you eat. Like sugar, white bread, <laughs> yeah, like white sugar. rice. I was listening to your podcast with like Lily Elk and I was like, yeah, that one at work for
0: me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, mean, I do
1: all the high fructose stuff. good. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I do like that kind of stuff and it's been really effective for me and it definitely was a reason why I was able to go as far as I did in the hundred mile race without eating because I had some of those reserves. Um, so they, it's definitely been helpful once I started doing it.
0: It's really, really smart. And it's really interesting that you came up with this almost on your own. They've done, they do, they've had like lab studies with this where like it's, they call it super compensation, like how you would with training yeah. your glycogen will store, it just to make sure that you're not going to go through these cycles of depletion, like yeah. say you're wearing a famine or something and like you have them. So like just stores, it, like I thought like a study said like 10 times as much as the normal amount of glycogen and they can study how much stored glycogen you have. So that's actually been proven in a lab. And that's why yeah. like the, the carb loading thing is, is, is a thing, but, yeah, but um. Restricting the carbohydrate intake before does lead to that super compensation uh, yeah. effect, which is really cool. You kind of came up with that on your own.
1: Yeah, um, and then also, like you said, I do like lower caffeine, so I to race before i'll start like lowering my caffeine intake because i've got really high caffeine intake and i know it's not you know everyone old people tell me i shouldn't do that but i work night shift and i need it so don't yeah, judge me shut up uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i do like so i try to like go low caffeine and like the week before i'll pretty much not have any caffeine which is brutal and that way and i won't even start my race with caffeine like i won't have anything for because before race i'm already like my heart rate's already super high so i don't really i haven't really found that i need it and then I'll start having caffeine. I just do caffeine pills during the race. And it's been really, really helpful, especially in the night when you're tired and you get that little kick it. And then it's super effective because you haven't had that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be careful how you do it. Cause, um, before a race, I, I had too much caffeine during the race and it kind of affects kind of affects your GI. Honestly, I know I keep saying GI, but you'll find that in a 20 bar race, like that's the thing that happens. You a gotta lot. worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> careful with like your, um, like what you're taking in. Cause it affects, you know, everything's being affected. Um, and I found it like made my heart rate super, super high. I did too much at once and then I like crashed. So, um, huh. you have to be like really careful with how you do it. And I would definitely, if you're going to do it, like practice in a smaller race before you do it in like a big race to see how it affects your body.
0: I didn't drink caffeine before leading into Tahoe, maybe two, last, last year, I think actually, or whenever the last race they had there, And just to to try to enhance my sleep. um, Let me me cut this out. Maybe because I I love caffeine, but it's just.
1: Okay, cool. But we're on the same page. (laughs) No,
0: 100%. But then I'm just like, I think about not drinking caffeine just so it will make caffeine better just for when I'm like sitting around. But um, it's so miserable. Do you get headaches?
1: Headaches. I'm just grumpy. And then I'm like, I'm the week before when I'm on a low carb, no caffeine diet not not a good person to be
0: (laughs) (laughs) what do you how do you deal like what do you like i don't like i would just i i don't know like how do you like what do you do well in the
1: perfect world i wouldn't work and i wouldn't be around anybody but that's not my life right now so i can't do that um i just i don't know (laughs) i try to stay positive just stand in the door i I stand in the door (laughs) i tell people like this is what's happening this is what I'm doing. I'm really sorry. and I usually like bring for I've been in the race three times and two times I was working when I was before the races and I brought stuff in for my coworkers before and I said I'm probably gonna be really grumpy And, so, <laughs> and they're usually I have really great I, I tend to have really good coworkers and they're really understanding of it. so I'm like, I'm just gonna just not talk today. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's good
0: foresight too. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry in advance, but this isn't going
1: to my feelings like we talked about earlier. Okay. <laughs> you
0: knew it, you knew what was going to happen. So it's like, I've already yeah. thought this out. I felt that the whole thing, here are some cupcakes yeah. that I can't yeah. eat. I'm sorry.
1: popping. <laughs> I can't have enjoy
0: it. And so I think bodybuilding is a pretty good precursor for endurance athletes especially ultra endurance athletes just because you do get that understanding of how food does affect your body and a lot of endurance athletes gonna go they use food to kind of like almost as they try to avoid things it's like food's almost like a trap for a lot of people where they're like it's like oh well i'm good most of the time and like they're not using it to their advantage you know And, and for someone with a bodybuilding background it's like Like that's almost the whole thing. Um, Yeah. How did, how did you end up in getting into bodybuilding?
1: Um, Well, it's actually, yeah, I got into bodybuilding at the Academy. Um, It was actually after that, bad situation I talked about earlier and I got into it because I needed to do something for myself. And um, it was honestly the best thing I could have done for my confidence because You know, it's not a comfortable position being up in front of people who are judging on your body, especially female. That's obviously like so many psych problems that can happen from that. But for me, it was like such a confidence builder um, because it showed like what I'm capable of doing with, you know, what's cool about it is like it was natural. So I did everything the right way, diet, nutrition, training, and I had a really great support system and it like I look back on the pictures and I'll probably never do it again, but it's like, wow, I did that myself. You know, that was like, I was able to like get myself there and it just another thing to just be like, you know, look what I'm capable of doing. Like I can do anything I to put my mind to. And I did that at the Academy. So, you know, you left to live in the dorms of the Academy. So I cooked all my food on a George Foreman like grill. That was like this big. <laughs> all my food. I grilled everything. I cooked rice in a rice thing. That's, that's how I cooked everything. My eggs, everything was on the old George Foreman um so it was like kind of, of like well I did all that with like a little George Foreman grill and just like really you know like dedication so uh that's how I got into it and like that's what it did for me for like my life <laughs> What
0: what is scarier getting on stage or jumping out of a plane
1: getting on stage yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I can't yeah. imagine
1: I'm in control like when I jump off the out of the plane like I pack my parachute I'm in control when you're on stage like people are judging you (laughs) like it's nerve wracking like ask i mean it's nerve wracking i'm not someone that does obviously no one really does that but i'm not someone who's like that kind of confident i don't like walk into a room like here. i'm here like i'm just not like that so it was definitely like a out of my comfort zone thing and but it has helped me so much in my life so
0: what um what made you stop
1: um, I got, I don't know. I like got out of the Academy and I, I was going to get back into it. And then I kind of discovered OCR and just kind of like found a home in that. So, um, I just never wanted to get back on stage. And mm. like a lot of people love bodybuilding to be on stage. And I, I liked the training piece. I didn't really care for being on stage. Um, cause it was kind of tough because you're being, it's not necessarily, um, how good you actually are. It's how they think you are. And I didn't really like that. Um, you know there's politics and all that stuff that plays into it where you know if you race and you win you win and there's right, no one, the first one like, don't blame anyone else like but in that it's like there's a lot of other factors so you train really hard and then someone could just know one of the judges and they could win because of that so i just like i didn't care for like that piece of it and um i just didn't like being on stage and then i got then i found like ocr and all that and i was like okay this is like more my thing
0: so Uh, yeah. And like, okay, cool. Cause sometimes I feel like that can leave some psychological or like poor relationship stuff with food coming out of, uh, bodybuilding. Did you have to deal with any of that?
1: No, I didn't. I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot about how to eat proper and I still eat like that. I eat like six or seven meals a day and that has helped me a lot, but um, I think every girl at some point in their life, and I'm I'm generalizing, but I think every person, but I think a lot of females, especially has probably struggled with that whole thing at some point in their life. I mean, I just feel like a lot, I've talked a lot of people, a lot of people have, and people probably mm-hmm. still do, but, and everyone kind of does in some form, but I definitely like am in a much better position. And, um, I definitely use food from, to my advantage now because I've seen like what it can do. Cause when I was bodybuilding, I was eating more. Then I ate before I was bodybuilding and I lost weight. So it's like, it's not always like the calorie count that matters. It's like the quality of food and then like, how do you use it? Cause you can use it to have like really amazing results. So.
0: So would you recommend people kind of like get into it? Because it, 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 it it's very polarizing, right?
1: Yeah. So I always think like bodybuilding, um, cause you don't necessarily have to compete to be a bodybuilder. Like you right. can have bodybuilding is a lifestyle in my opinion. So I always think I'm still a bodybuilder in some way. Um, cause it's like how it's a lifestyle, <laughs> Um, because it's like how you train, but it's also how you eat. Um, I like recommend people just if they're not sure what they want to get into, definitely looking into it. Because there's, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool sport. and It's a really cool community. It's kind of similar to OCR. It's its own little like world. Yeah. Um, and there's own little stars and own little like things. Yeah. Uh, and it's a cool little world too. And it's a, actually a decently supportive community too. So and Travis my fiance he. He still has bodybuilding. He's probably never going to compete again or he might. i do not sure, but he like lives that life. He cuts the bolts. He does all the things and he's nice. in the community. So, um, he, so I'm kind of in it because of him, but, um, yeah, it's a cool little world. And if you're not sure what you want to get into, it's definitely a cool thing to try.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like, if you're going to go to the gym and you're going to be doing work, it's, a, it's something to work toward, right? It's a goal, uh, that instead of just going to the gym every day in and day out, at least have something to kind of point to.
1: Yeah. Um, he has, like, my battery might is like about to die. It might die. So if it does, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up soon. But before we go, yeah. um, to get, so what do you think you need to do this year to get like the best results that you've had yet o- outside of like the racing more often we talked about yeah. dialing nutrition, like anything else that you think like you really like what you need to do to kind of take those results up? Um, I definitely think
1: taking it one step at a time and being focused on like what my goals are and not trying to, um, sometimes I over, overreach and overstretch, and then I don't get any results. Um, so I'm really trying to be more conscious of like, what are my goals right now and making sure like I do have a plan for the year. So I'm not just like, okay, day to day, what am I doing? Like I do have a plan, but then I am also like, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a journey, enjoy the journey. And then, um, build up the way I do. So definitely I've taken a few steps back and I know we've talked about it, but I definitely take a few steps back and like trying to like reframe and refocus, like what my goals are. Um, and I think that's as long as I can stay focused on that because I know what I need to do and I know I'm capable. I know what I'm capable of. Um, if I train and, and set myself up the right way, it's just like executing that because, um, you know, life gets a lot of things get in the way. It's easy to overthink things and you know get down on yourself. But I think for me, it's just like take it one step at a time and, um, being focused on what my goals are now, and then um, making sure those add up to like what my ultimate goal is love
0: that yeah it's like just being more process oriented and just yeah what you can we can handle now and how it's going to lead to the bigger goals which which you have um yeah
1: and it's just like enjoying the journey like travis and i always talk about how important it is to like recognize that you're always like writing your story in your life like you're always writing your story and um try to like enjoy that process and not get um, too stuck on like the next thing, the next thing, like enjoy this part too. Cause you're always writing your story. You never know what's going to happen. So um, that's like, we've been really trying to be mindful of that. And I think I want to be mindful of that this year.
0: Cool. I love that. So, and that's something we're going to try to tell the story of your story and we'll check in periodically to tell everybody yeah. how, how things are going on. So where, where can people give you uh, a follow-up? If they want to follow on, along your progress or if they want to reach out about some of the stuff we talked about earlier with uh, the women's fitness and, and, um, and that whole concept that you had it going.
1: Yeah. So my like Instagram is Womazonian Um, is actually Travis and I came up with it a long time ago because I was trying to put like a different handle just for fun. And he's like, well, you're kind of like an Amazon woman. Like you're like a Womazonian. (laughs) I "I love that. That's my new tag. (laughs) uh, People are like, how do you say I'm like, it's Amazon, like Amazon woman Womazonian. So it's Womazonian. Uh, That's
0: great. And you didn't even have any numbers. It's like completely original. It's like,
1: yeah, that is yours. (laughs) not.
0: (laughs) Not one was only like TM on there.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Cool. We'll make sure to link to that, and we'll make sure to check in, and 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 um, because I think you're gonna have a great year. I'm really excited for some of the progress, and and being able to to watch you through it. So um, cool. Well, appreciate you taking the time today. It was a blast. Yeah, so.
1: Too.
0: I'm just gonna hit end, and then we'll get things rolling.
1: Okay. All right. See ya. Bye.